I still remember you said, if you fall off, and you will, just fall flat like a pancake. And I'm like, why would I do that? And you said, because it's a razor sharp reef. I'm like, great. So this is where you bring the learners. Uh, I had you on a phone phone board. (laughs) Welcome to Think, Act, Get with James Shramko and Ezra Firestone. What you think determines how you act, which results in what you get. So join in now as we discuss how you can think differently, act faster, and get high performance results in your business. Hi there, listener. Welcome back to another episode of Think, Act, Get. Ezra Firestone here with my partner, as always, James Shramko. James, how you doing, man? Doing good. Great to catch up with you again, Ezra. Yeah, man. I'm excited about this episode. I'm excited to be back. I am uh, hanging out here in upstate New York, and it is still light out. It's like sunny at 8.30 p.m. at night, which is exciting. And I had a little weird experience happen over the last couple of days. I'm, I, I think I've like got some kind of Dr. Doolittle powers because uh, Dr. Doolittle was the guy mm-hmm. who, who could speak to the animals, you know. And we have this 10-acre piece of land up here. We have like 10 acres of forest, and it's just the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. And so I went out on the lawn. And I just said, okay, animals, like I want to see you. I want to know who you are. I want to like – I did like an, an energetic calling to the animals, which is you know nothing I've learned anywhere. It was just like I just went out there and I just decided I'd like to meet the animals of this land. And within 24 hours, I saw a six-foot snake, a deer, a badger, a family of turkeys, a fox, and a turtle all in my yard. So it was pretty wild. Wow. So I've been like communing with nature up here, man. What have you been up to? Well, you probably think you are. I'm not so sure. When I lived on land, I saw a lot of animals, but I wasn't specifically calling them energetically. Right. Who knows? They just happened to live there, yeah. you know? Yeah. That's that's another way to explain it. But I'm going to go with my story of me being an animal caller because why not? Someone into that stuff might really vibe with it. Good on them. I think I sold someone. I'm sure someone listening is now sold on yeah, it, right? So, absolutely. So <laughs> we're good. So what have you been up to, man? Uh, well, surfing every day. That's, uh, and it's winter here, it. so we get it's uh, dark at about four forty five o'clock. Oh wow! And uh, getting the winter swells, so we get these southern swells. So a bit cooler, but it's uh, it's cleaner and there's less people in the water, which is great. Yes. Uh, all right, let's get into this episode. I'm really excited about this episode, and I want to do a pre sort of um, uh, warning that in this particular episode, I am going to go into the emotional relationship to sort of space and I'm going to have you be holding the line for practical and implementable and tactical. So I'm going to be talking about sort of conceptual stuff and I'm going to have you hold the line on practical and tactical and strategic because you are a genius at that. And also I think this particular topic lends itself really well to both of those sides. So how does that sound? Right. So it's like a, a dual universe episode. That's right. That's right. It's like parallel. It's, it's as universe. if you were in one hemisphere and I was in another. Well, uh, that's, that's the reality, actually, <laughs> so, so, in more ways than geographically. So let's proceed. What are we talking about? We're talking about improvement. And it's a subjective forecast and a value judgment that you make only after you've gotten somewhere other than where you are now. So that's the sort of uh, conceptual side of it. What do you mean by that? Okay, so here's what I mean by that, right? A subjective forecast. What I mean by that is like in a lot of cases, obviously there's some cases where it's like, well, you wanted to make more money and you either have more or you don't. So you either improved or you didn't, right? It's sort of 
black and white. But it's also quite subjective improvement in a lot of areas. Like, am I improving at, you know, jujitsu? Am I improving at surfing? Am I improving at being a better friend? Am I improving at having more pleasure in my life and having more fun? Like, you kind of get to decide. It's a value judgment that you make after you're somewhere other than you are right now. So you've done something different, and now you get to decide whether or not you've improved. And in a lot of cases, it's subjective. So you're only talking about scoring improvement, aren't you? Not the actual act of improvement? I think I'm talking about both. That's what I want to talk about in this episode is both sides of that coin. Well, if it's in hindsight, then you're talking about what does success look like and whose rules are you playing by? That's right. Exactly. Because at the core of it, improvement really means to advance or develop or upgrade or change for the better. Are we agree on, on that? Sure. And, and let's talk about, let's go right to the guy, man. I'm going to him. There's a guy out there right now, and we just, we're in the business space, right? So we're going to talk a little bit about business here, who's telling you that you're better off you know, working 80 hours a day and working 8 a.m. to midnight than going and having a 9 to 5 job. Now, if it's a choice between a 9 to 5 job and an 8 a.m. to midnight job, <laughs> I'm choosing the 9 to 5. It's, it's weird on that. I'm not sure if he's advising others. I think he actually has been quoted to tell people that they shouldn't take his advice, which is pretty good advice, actually, ironically. You should definitely not take that advice because if you burn the candle twice as bright, it'll last half as long and I think it's a flawed approach. And, you know, you and I have definitely covered our views on how hard you should be working and if that's the right thing to measure. I certainly think it's not the right thing to measure. I even did an entire course on this recently on what you should be measuring instead of hours worked but it's a pretty weak success system. Okay, sure, you've successfully worked more hours but is that an improvement? Are you making a change for the better and are you scoring in all the categories or just one category which is hours worked? What what about relationships or or the, the daughter. Absolutely. And one thing I want to say is that you can't actually know if something's better until you've gotten there. Like, for example, I thought living in Texas was going to be better, was going to be a major improvement. I got there, and it certainly wasn't, right? So you don't know until you get there. Do you really, though? Like, I, I know it wouldn't be better living on the moon. Well, yes. Okay, this is my point. So there's the, the, there's the conceptual side and there's the practical side. <laughs> like, you could have a wild stab at it and come up somewhere close to the mark, surely. Right. Well, well, I, well there's, so there's a point that I really want to make, which is that it's been my experience that better is often unrecognizable from where you are because it's different. So let me give you an example. We moved into this house and there was, you know, basically all these, we have, we have three bedrooms, three baths and what have you. And there was a room in here that was going to be my office. And it was the only room that was going to be able to be my office because of the way that we wanted to use the rest of the space. And so when I got, I was like, listen, this, I will take this office because this is the only option for me, but I will just put it on record that this is no office for me. This office will not do. It is not big enough. There are all these things wrong with it. And this is no office, you know, and like this, I just want to get on record that I will be building another building that I can have as my office. This thing's not going to work. Now I've been in here six weeks. It's the best office I've ever had. And I didn't, I couldn't have known that until I got in here. Same thing with living in the country. I could, I would never have known this was better. This was an improvement from where I was. And then I got here and it's like the best thing that's ever happened. So, so sometimes improvement and better is unrecognizable from where you are. Well, maybe you just haven't put any thought into a scoring system for what better would look like. And I, I know that that's one that's of the, fair. the coaching tools that I use when I'm working with someone is what would better be? Like 
in order to know what better would be, you need to know the starting position. So we, we hear this exercise of bridge building, et cetera. It's like, where are you now? Where would you like to be? And a lot of people would say what, where they'd like to be. And then I'd say, when you get there, would you be happy with that? Is it actually better? So I'll give you an example mm. of this. Someone might say, oh, I want a team of 10 people. I want an office in the city. I want to be the t- number one digital marketing agency in the region. And I might say, is that better than where you're at now or not? What about transit time? What about time with the family? What about being beholden to this office now instead of having a business where you have a little more independence or a remote team, for example. And then they start reviewing all of their choices and sometimes the situation they thought they wanted isn't what they would actually be happy with because they hadn't put so much effort into defining it. And I think what you're also talking about is the phenomenon of not knowing what you what you don't know. So yes. To be truly wise, we have to acknowledge that we really don't know a lot at all. It's only when we think we know that we have this disease of have have this sort of error. Like you think you know what you want, but when you get it, you realize it's something different. I mean, it certainly had me be more open. Exactly. That's where I was leading. The whole point is if you can be open-minded, then you'll be open to interpreting it in a, in a different way. And the more willing we are to be able to change our mind, the easier it's going to be on us going through these processes. I love that concept of whose frame are you playing to. Exactly. You know, Like is it someone else has decided this is what success looks like? Like when you're a kid and, and your parents tell you you're going to go to university and become a doctor or if you're born in some countries where they tell you who you're going to marry and how many, you know, now it's time to have grandkids. This is someone else's frame and I think that one of the great things about improvement is that we can be in control. It starts with us and it's when we realize that basically owning our own mind space is more important than anything else and we can therefore decide what the criteria is for improvement. What would be a change for the better is a question that is worth defining in more, more detail and across every aspect of life not just business and not just relationships, but also in life skills, in geographic location. Who do you want to become is a nice general way of Mm. approaching that. I like that. And what would that enable you to do in life compared to now? Absolutely. And, you know, one thing that I've noticed is that that was all awesome. I love it, man. Improvement or the idea of improvement is a tool that people use to make themselves feel good or bad. So like we feel good about ourselves when we look at the past and the present and we say we've improved from the past and we feel bad about ourselves when we look at the past and the present and we decide, well, we haven't improved, we suck. And we also look at the future and the present and we say some sort of goal that we want and we decide we can't get there. We, you know, we can't improve, we can't get to this thing because of X, Y, or Z or I shouldn't get this because of that. And so the good thing is that improvement, that you're in control of how you measure yourself and how you decide how you're doing And it's good to remember that 
good things improve faster than bad things. So if you judge yourself as bad or you look at a project or a cycle through the lens of all the ways that you haven't improved and everything that's wrong with it, then improvement is going to seem really, really hard. But if you look at that same cycle and you look for all the ways that you have improved and all the things that have gone right and all the things that you have won at, then improvement is going to feel like something that is already part of what you're doing and that will feel attainable. And so the point here is that as with any self-judgment, we see what we're looking for. And so if you can look for the ways that you're improving, then psychologically you're going to be more motivated to continue to improve. So like for example, if all your uh, attention on surfing was all about how you couldn't do a certain turn, then that would demoralize you, you know? Exactly, and that's why I use a framework. Uh, so if we flip this into the business discussion, and it will still apply for personally, and it applies equally to my surfing, but I use a three-part framework when I'm talking to myself as a business owner you know i actually book myself in as my best student and customer and i go through the framework so you have like coaching sessions with yourself you like book on your calendar james with james exactly <laughs> it's my best advice to any expert is book yourself in for your own service uh you know if you're an accountant or a mechanic same thing applies yeah don't be the cobbler's kids like exactly. like carrie for example who doesn't have a website you know she's like Married to me, and she doesn't have well, She should book in a schedule with you. I use the framework. I should book her in a schedule with you. You should. And when you do, we always go through the same framework. I'll break it down. It's, um, the three parts are win, challenge, and one thing. And we do this every week in our mastermind group. The win is the gratitude part. That's saying, let's acknowledge the progress that's been made. Let's acknowledge the improvement that has been realized mm. in the last period since we reviewed. So give yourself a win. That's where you can feel good about what you're doing. You can actually see progress and therefore we're not just focusing on what Dan Sullivan calls the gap, which is the, the distance between where we are now and where we want to be because that's like chasing the horizon. We'll never actually get there. We've really got to acknowledge and have gratitude for what we have achieved the challenge part is the growth. That's identifying what is the challenge at the moment. And if we were to think of improvement in the same way that Masaki Umai thought of it with his Kaizen practice, that is that it's a, simply a practice of continuous improvement. The challenge is what's in the way of us having continual improvement? What uh, logs are on the track preventing our train rolling forward. What things are growth opportunities? What can I learn from? What can inspire me? And the, the bigger the challenge, the greater the growth opportunity that can move us forward. And I'll, I'll give you a perfect example of that. If you were to bump into a, a e-commerce customer and they had really good product and, they, and people wanted it, but they had a crappy website and people just couldn't find what they wanted and they couldn't order it. Mm. That would be a big challenge for that website owner. Right. But also it would represent an enormous growth opportunity. If you fix that one constraint, if you take that log off the track, the train can roll forward really fast with lots of momentum because the big challenge, the more the frustration and the pain the bigger the outcome when you solve it. Right. And the final step is the one thing. And that's simply a single focus on the thing that will have the most impact for us to move forward. So if we want to have rapid improvement, then we work of all the things that we could do 
what would be the one that has by far the most impact? That would be what we also refer to as the 80-20 or the Pareto principle. There will be certain things that have you know, significantly more benefit to pursue than other things because all things aren't equal. They're totally unequal. So there'll be one or two things that make far greater impact. And we just pick the top one. We write down a list of 10, cross off nine, and just do the one on top. That one thing is what we focus on until the next review point, And that's going to move us forward and create a progression so that we therefore improve. And because we've put the, the framework to use, we're always taking a, a little pat on the back for things that we did well, we're acknowledging that anything challenging us is also going to give us the greatest growth and we now have a very simple focus to do just one thing until the next review point and all the other things that are on our mind, all the other things that pile up and that cause us stress and panic, we could just put them aside for now because one thing is going to, and to use the Greg McKeon from Essentialism's idea, uh, that one decision will close a thousand other decisions because it's just so much more powerful. And I love that you're that you're giving yourself a way to win because one of the surefire ways to continue improving is to feel like you're winning. And so if you like say, hey, I'm going to do this one thing, and then you actually do that, <laughs> you don't have a million things to do. You got one to do, and you actually do it. Then you're like you're setting goals that are attainable instead of goals that aren't attainable. And the other thing that you said that I really liked was acknowledgement. So, and this comes to something that I wanted to talk about with your relationship to other people, that noticing improvement in others is a very, very powerful form of acknowledgement. Hey, I noticed that you're more comfortable expressing yourself on stage. Way to go. Or if you know that your partner or your friend is looking to improve a particular eating habit, if you notice them taking a step in that direction and you acknowledge it, that's going to feel really good to them and it's going to have them feel motivated to continue on. And often, Areas where people want to improve are areas where they have some sort of negative self-judgment. They feel bad about themselves in some area and they want to improve on it. So it makes your acknowledgement in that area extra special, extra powerful if you can acknowledge someone's improvement. So it's a good strategy. And you know the really key point to that is that by acknowledging other people's improvement, it in no way reduces your capacity to receive acknowledgement for your own improvements totally it will never deplete your ability to accept improvements it's kind of like smiles if you give a hundred more it doesn't actually impact how many smiles you can receive yeah i like i like that i like that analogy i hadn't heard that and it's a you know when we, when we look at this as far as um you know we take it back to business for a second i will run into people in, in the business circle who are like, you know, I'm so upset that this person has had so much success and that should be me and this and that. And like one frame that you can try on is that if someone else has this thing, that means that it's possible and you can celebrate them and be happy that they have that and know that it's possible for you too. Exactly. It's the oft quoted four minute mile. It's moving the uh, benchmark. In fact, benchmarks are one of the tools that I've used for improvement is seeing what's been possible for other people has created moments in my life where I've had uh, a specific thought around galvanizing my actions to make sure that I achieve that too. And I can actually pinpoint mm -hmm. several of them. And one of the most memorable ones was the first time I sold an expensive motor vehicle, my very first selling job at BMW. 
I sold a car that was somewhere around $38,000 and that was a new benchmark for me. I I was just gobsmacked that someone would spend (laughs) that much on a new car and that created a new frame for me whereas the most expensive car I'd ever purchased was around $15,000. So it was more than twice as much. Wow! I had to move my mindset around money to understand that for that person, it solved their problem. It was the right solution for them. Sure. They, they drive it. They reflect on it every time they get in it. I'm going to share uh, two moments with you. One is in 2006, I believe it was, somebody bought a Fu Manchu costume mustache from me on the internet. Uh, it was the first sale I ever made on the internet in the, in the e-commerce capacity. And I could not believe that someone had given me money for a product. Someone who didn't know who I was, you know, bought some random product for me and it just kind of changed. Uh, it was just, uh, it sort of changed my my whole view on what was possible. And then here's another one that's particularly relevant to you. I don't know if you remember, but some guy came to you a couple years ago and was like, hey man, I'd like to have a mastermind similar to the one that you have. <laughs> and I didn't say, no way, buddy. I've got that space, and uh, you know, for you to be successful takes away from my success. Well, here's a f- fact: that the number one all-time most downloaded podcast that I've ever created is Think Act Get episode number one. So oh, we actually created more by joining together, even in a student-coach relationship, by you powering up and finding your path in that e-commerce space and becoming a a world-dominating force, speaking on platforms with the best of the best and creating top-level education, it actually reflected back both of our ways to create something useful where we can have this platform to talk about stuff that's not often talked about. Mm. So I'm very grateful that, that you did seek me out. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm certainly grateful because it's been, uh, it's resulted in, in a whole lot of great stuff. And, and the best of all, forget about the money and all that kind of stuff, is the friendship. We've had a lot of good times and a lot of fun together. So that's cool. Oh, and you also introduced me to surfing again, which is a huge change in my life. It's the biggest change in the last decade. <laughs> I introduced you in maybe not the most pleasurable way. I took you out on like a 15 minute paddle. <laughs> well, on a reef. Yeah. I still remember you said if you fall off, and you will, just fall flat like a pancake. And I'm like, why would I do that? And you said, because it's a razor-sharp reef. I'm like, great. So this is where you bring the learners. I had you on a foam board. (laughs) I still, you know what? It's a lot of fun surfing a foam board even now. It's kind of cool. And I went to the coolest spot in Australia where the, the pros surf called snapper rocks where it's a point break sandy bottom there's there's multiple world champions have come from that part and there was a kid ripping it up on a big on a, on a bright lime green foam board he was doing 360s and crazy stuff it's they're actually cool again i want to repeat something that that we kind of said earlier uh which is sometimes improvement doesn't mean buckling down and charging forward with all this intensity and forcing things to happen. Sometimes it can mean improvement can happen through letting go and being open to seeing things in a new way. And, you know, like, let's say, for example, if you're struggling to improve in a certain area, then instead of banging your head against the wall and trying to figure it out on your own, 
maybe you might want to, and this is what I do, seek the opinion of people from many different perspectives and then try those perspectives on and see what works for you. And you're clearly an open-minded person because you're listening to this podcast. And an important element is to let go. There's a great saying by um, Leo Su from Tao Te Ching is if you realize that all things change, there's nothing you will try to hold on to. If you're not afraid of dying, there's nothing you cannot achieve. So I think people hold back or they cling to these ideals like perfectionism or static. They think that they can retain what's there now. Like even the desk in your office left alone is going to gather dust, right? Mm. So nothing is static, nothing at all. Totally. Even the even your desk is made up of atoms that are vibrating back and forth forming this matter that you call a desk, they're moving. So if we get with this concept that we're in a state of constant change, that's when it's easier to let go and say, you know what, I can I can actually make a change right this second. Sure, it might take a few goes to improve your surfing, like you might have to do it every day for a year or so. However, it's that instant change where you flick the switch and you go from not surfing to surfing. It's when you go and get the wetsuit and the board and you go out every day. That change happened in an instant and it's in your control. A decision can be an improvement. That's it. It's the start. It's this it's the flick of the switch yes. that changes the circuit forever. And it can happen just like that. You brought up something that reminded me of a frame that I have that I use so much in my life which is to hold on with an open hand. I, I, this is what I do in like all of, my, almost all of everything. You squeeze a bar of soap, it's going to go flying. Like the, the best way to hold on to something is with an open hand. Let your partner in your relationship flourish and, and, and grow and don't try to clench them down and hold on to them. And it's just in, in every area of life, it's really can be a good frame. And I've found it quite useful um, to hold on with an open hand frame. You said something kind of similar to that. So the last thing that I want to say, and then maybe there's the last thing that you want to say, or we can move on to the weekly willpower wager, is that in any situation, you have two ways that you can win and one way that you can lose. So the way that you can, the first way that you can win is you can change something. If you don't like the way things are, you can change something. That is one way that you can win. The second way that you can win is you can change your mind. So if you don't like the way things are, you can change your mind and decide that you do. And that is a very possible way and it works quite well. The, the way that you can lose, the one way that you will lose in your life, in your business, in your relationships and everything is if you do nothing. <laughs> if you just do nothing and you're just like, well, this is shitty and I'm not going to do anything about it, that's the surefire way to lose. Not sure if I so. agree on that one. I think sometimes doing nothing is a, is a way to win because there's nothing left undone. According to, again, Leia Sue, he had a similar one. It's like That's fair. when you're content to That's be fair. simply yourself and don't compare or compete, everyone will respect you. And the idea behind that is like maybe it's time to stop contorting around to everyone else's ideas about what improvement looks like and just say, you know what? I'm actually pretty happy with how things are. So, Well, that would be changing your mind. Well, it's just saying, you know what? I'm I'm not going to engage in that discussion. I'm not going to participate in your version of improvement. I'm just going to be 
Mm. Well, we could full stop there. I'm just going to be. I'm not going to buy into your. Uh, I'm not going to buy into that yeah. perspective. I'm not going to compete with you. I'm not. I'm not going to compare or compete. I'm just going to be myself. And it's it's often said, certainly said about me, and probably about yeah. you. I think you get it a little bit more than me because you're a little bit more direct than I am. I basically, I'm just being myself, and I'm confident and and clear about that. I'm very certain about the things that I'm doing because I'm really not playing on everyone else's game board. So they can't scuttle my piece if I'm not even in the game. And I read a book recently, a business book uh, called Zero to One, and Peter Thiel made such a great point is that you don't want to be engaged in competition. You actually want to create a monopoly. So from a personal perspective, we can have a monopoly on our own game. We can create our own game that other people don't even know the rules and they don't have to. It's none of their business. I like that. I like that concept. So let's uh, let's roll Carol because we haven't rolled Carol in a while. Weekly Willpower Wager. And let's go to the Weekly Willpower Wager with James. I'd like you to do this week because I think it's your framework. I mean I just think that's what, that's what we should have – that's what you should do, listener. Okay. So the action uh, for this week, if you, if you want to take on the Willpower Wager, is just sit down with a piece of paper and at the top of the paper, just write win – challenge and one thing across the top and then just rule a couple of lines down the page so you've got the the page into uh, thirds now win is a column challenge is a column and one thing is a column and just set review points you might do this every day you might do it once a week but sit down and write down what is your biggest win since the last review let's say we're doing this daily so you could say what what is the best thing I did in the last day? It could be that you had wonderful time playing with your kids at the park. It could be that you had a fantastic surf. It might be that you won a business deal that you've been chipping away at. And then the next column, write down your biggest challenge. What's stopping you from having an improvement? What's the blockage? What are you putting off that you know you need to do? What is what has someone else told you that you should do that you're resisting? Uh, that's usually an indicator where the challenge is. Quite often you'll know what the challenge is. And then for the one thing, write down the thing that you would like to achieve between now and when you sit down to do this exercise again, which in this case, let's say it's tomorrow. The one thing you might want to do is to book that tax accountant for the annual return or to make an appointment with your partner to go on a movie night. So it, it could be just something simple that's going to transform your life and have the greatest impact as you move through it. If you were to do this daily and make it a habit and do this for an entire week and come back and report on this episode if you had an impact, that would be really good to see if you've got this improvement framework down. It's such a good one too. You really, really ought to give it a shot. I use it quite often actually. Um, when, good to know. Yeah, you know, no, that one's really stuck with me. I, I use that all the time. And uh, it's been great actually because what I've been doing now is using it with my team, right? So now I've got, uh, let's see, eight full-time folks who are just on the smart marketer side, forget about e-commerce or anything like that, just working with me on smart marketer inside of Slack and we're all virtual and so so we use that on our team meetings. It's really, really good. It's exactly um, what I do with my managers each week as well. Yeah, it's a good one. So let's look, let's talk about news and updates. What's coming down the pipe? The first thing that I know is coming, the, ne- the next travel that I have scheduled is, uh, well, I'm going to Hawaii in January, but that's pleasure travel. The next business travel that I have scheduled is Sydney, Australia, March 2016, Superfast Business Live. 
is, do you get that thing where you go, get in the, say, you get picked up by the driver and they say business or pleasure? Would you really say that super fast business isn't a little bit pleasurable? I think it's, I mean, it's certainly pleasure, right? Like, I, 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 yeah, it's going to be really fun. I, you know, what, some of the, 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 my fondest and like best, most heightened experiences that I've had in the last uh, several years was from um, the last, not this one you had, but the previous one. We were down there for like three or four weeks. It was just so much fun, manly. I wish that it wasn't so far away, you know. I wish I could get there in a couple hours. I'd be there all the time. Well, it's only asleep and a few movies away from where you that's are. That's true. That's in true. reality. So that's in March 2016. Yeah. Venue's booked. It's happening on the 3rd and the 4th of March. That's Sydney 3rd and 4th. So you've got to allow a day that you'll uh, lose on the way here, uh, but you'll pick it up on the way back. And it's always good to put a little buffer around the side of that and tickets will go on sale soon. Looking forward to that. You'll be speaking at that one, Ezra. You, you definitely 100% confirmed, locked in. I, and I'm not going to pull out, I promise. Errol dieted. Yeah. Irreversible. I, I, it's, it's, it's on the books and I have, I have approval from all the higher-ups and we're good on that one. So that one is that's, – that's the whole idea of that event is to create improvement in your business situations, especially if you're online. It's going to – going to be good look it's the best event in our industry from a content perspective hands down i and i go to all of them because i speak at all of them it really really is for almost any type of online business owner it's such a good event and you know i know it's in australia but i'm telling you guys uh it's really really worth the trek if you've never been and you know interesting thing about live events i actually canceled smart marketer live this year and i don't know that i will do it again honestly you know i'm super excited to speak at your event i love speaking at some of the other events in the industry i kind of um realized that event marketing and putting on an event maybe was not what i was the best at <laughs> I and mean, we did a great event people loved it the content was fantastic but from a business perspective you know, it took us um, at least a month and a half, maybe two months of, of work. We probably lost 50 grand on it because we didn't monetize it well. We weren't even paying attention to selling at it. And we just didn't do it in the best way possible. And I kind of, you know, maybe at some point we'll restart doing big giant live events. But for now, we've kind of scrapped those off. Yeah, I think unless you're an event business or unless you've got a a really established community who more or less demand an event like this. Totally. It's, it's definitely a lot of effort. I mean, I got people asking me about it, but I don't know. We may do one. I don't know. I, I, for now, I'm going to yours and I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah. Just, just bring them all to mine and we'll have a big party. Big news on my side is I have really been doing well on the uh, creating of informational courses. I put out a course on Pinterest advertising. It was uh, so well-loved that I that I had to release it again because people were clamoring for it two months later. And uh, I now have a course on Shopify coming out in August. And I've just really kind of found my stride on the ability to produce really high quality and uh, trainings that my market wants. And I'm super happy about that because it's lucrative, it's profitable, it's serving the community. I've got the support on my team of people uh, helping me do everything from the shopping, you know, I've not just outsource people like, oh, I hire someone to do Infusionsoft. Like I actually have an Infusionsoft guy on my team. And so I've really kind of figured out this model in a way that I hadn't, haven't ever done before. And it's come from, and you've been telling me this for a long time, not overextending myself with travel and all this other stuff, really just focusing in on what I'm doing, being in the same spot. And it just feels really good. So that's exciting for me. 
it's like doing your core exercises. It helps everything if you have some a stable base to work from and have some time to think and rejuvenate and you're in an encouraging environment that's nurturing and uh, it lets you have some peace. Very, very excited about it. So what do you got coming down the pipe besides super fast? Podcasts? Uh, well, yes, podcasts of... On, well, I mean, I see you putting out blog content every all the... I mean, you're like a, you're incredible how, how, how much you're putting out. It's wild. Well, we, we're not so focused on volume as quality at the moment i've got someone in the team really helping curate and organize good quality content for us and i'm i've also did a new course the event that i spoke at in the philippines in cebu at chris ducker's event went really well for me i just connected so well with the audience they were predominantly in the blogging space and they had a lot of good businesses there people doing content and selling in many cases, individual products or lifetime memberships. And you know that I have better ways to package that stuff. Some of those people from the event came into my community and are just unbelievably successful. When they get exposed to those ideas, they've just taken off. They're, they're definitely just – they've made their presence felt. They've been setting up recurring memberships. They have been uh, halving their – their uh, time that they need to invest on the business in some cases getting back six seven hours a week from their inbox just doing the inbox course and wow. actually put together a free course which was a three-part rendition of the slides that i presented at that event and i put it up available for free on my site so that people can just get a feel for how i might be able to help them love it and that's uh, called a profit leverage course but it's my current thoughts on on where people need to be and i'm actually really interested in specializing a little bit more even in that membership subscription type thing i want to be the expert for that i mean i think you already i mean well, i've been doing it for a while you know seven or eight years yeah look you had some other folks who put out courses i would say five to six years ago on the model but yeah. what you have in your community i mean in the in the just even in the silver circle on that model is incredible. Yeah, that stuff, uh, some of that will, will trickle down at some point to uh, the, the major community. And and I've really been working hard on that community side of things, on the membership thing. I think the old courses, a lot of them had some crazy stats like you know a three-month retention expectation, et cetera, which is ridiculous. It should be like two years if you do it right. And... There, there are new platforms and tools available. So I've been interviewing experts and authors on that topic and I've had some fantastic podcasts on that and I'm using these as, as a way to refine my own understandings and to, to ask the questions that come up a lot in our community and I'm getting some great aligned answers from these experts and I suspect at some point it'll be the, a topic of a book that i'd like to publish that mm. focuses more around that magic of recurring subscriptions love it so let's move on to think about it are you are you keeping your quote this week i thought you might like this one because it kind of goes i do like the quote goes in line you know with with you i do like it i've i read tom peters i've got a few of his books almost all quality improvement comes via simplification of design manufacturing layout processes and procedures and i like to simplify things I had a funny exchange with uh, john lee dumas the other day he was, he was telling somebody that it took him 
quite some time to find his own voice. Mm. And I replied back, I'm like, surely it's not that hard to just be yourself and not not worry about what everyone else thinks you need to be. And he said, well, if we could all be James Ramco, wouldn't life be simple? <laughs> and I think, well, <laughs> pretty much. That's that's why I share my my ideas. It, it just it really fascinated me that it would take 200 plus episodes to find your authentic voice. What's that about? So, mm. yeah, I don't think it's that hard to be yourself. Just stop trying to be who people, uh, who you think people want you. We're going to post the Bob Newhart Stop It video again. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but really, that's one of the themes of this episode, that it can happen instantly. Mm. If you want to see a significant improvement in your life, whether it's a relationship or a business angle, it can happen Today, from this minute, you can make a conscious decision, a choice, so to speak, that you are just going to be yourself. You're going to decide what a success system might look like for improvement, what sort of score you want to keep, whose rules you're playing by. And that's why I actually picked a quote independently, which was, he who conquers others is strong. He who conquers himself is mighty. And that's Leo's Sue. So I reckon the overarching theme for me from this episode is that improvement comes from conquering yourself, to understand yourself and make some conscious decisions and step aside from the way that other people are telling you how to think and stop doing things because you think they want you to do that. Just be authentic. Actually be authentic and not pretend authentic. You know, and that rolls well into my quote, which is spend some time this weekend on home improvement, improve your attitude toward your family by Bo Bennett. And that goes to what you're saying that like improving your attitude is a decision. You can decide to have a better attitude and be nicer and more acknowledging and more compassionate and immediately see improvement in your relationships and the way that you feel towards the world because you made a decision. So I love it. So think, act, get, you know, this is a podcast about mindset, behavior, and results. And uh, what you think determines how you act, which results in what you get. And everything in this is focused towards you, our listener. Thank you so much for, for, for listening to this podcast. We really appreciate it. We do this for you. We'd love, love, love to know what you think, how this affected you, what your experience was, how you improved. Go to our blog, thinkactget.com. Leave us a comment. Leave us a comment in iTunes. Go to our blog and leave us a voice comment. And we'll play it live on the show. So this is um, – Episode 55, improvement, uh, improvement, what is it, how are you using it, how is it affecting your business and your life? That's what we've been looking at in this episode of Think Act Get. James, thank you so much. Always enjoyable. Thanks, Ezra. It's really good to be having a podcast again. I'm looking forward to our next episode. July 21st, baby, and then uh, I'll book in another one. So thanks, guys. Bye. This has been another episode of Think, Act, Get with James Schramko and Ezra Firestone. For more tips and tutorials on how to grow your business faster, visit thinkactget.com and join the newsletter. It's free.